mind as we were worshiping. And something that, uh, these have nothing to do with my message. Um, something Terry had talked about. Almost like waking up and realizing where you've been and where you are and how sweet it is where you are. People don't understand. But you have to not be ashamed. It's almost like taking a journey and stopping and pausing and looking what's around you and seeing that the grace of the Father has, boy, cleaned you up from many, many things. And you feel so clean, so different, so free. You don't have to carry those burdens anymore. I don't worry about sickness. I don't worry about finances. I don't worry about dying. I don't... I may go through many tests, but they're not the things that define me. It's His grace that defines me. You know, somebody, even ten years ago, tried to tell me about this. I wouldn't have comprehended. It's a journey each one of us has to take. You don't take it with a spouse. You don't take it with family members. Carol had sent out a uh, seven-minute video from Graham Cook. Don't know if any of you even looked at it. Seven minutes. Go find it. It is the best seven-minute description of grace. Send it out to all my kids. Not one has looked at it. And I don't like to be pushy, but I went to them all and said, have you listened to this yet? It's only seven minutes. For me, listen to it. Because they're all saved. All my kids are saved. And I, I don't worry about that. But they don't understand grace. We don't understand grace. We're still at the hors d'oeuvre table of grace. We haven't gotten into the main meal yet. My daughter Sarah was with me. She's been with me all weekend because they're doing some work on my house for me, which is really nice. She said, oh, Dad, I got a message from a friend of hers that they do ministry in northern Ohio and said how they're gearing up for this weekend for Mother's Day. She does counseling, on abortion counseling. Says they're overwhelmed with calls this weekend on women who have gone through the process of aborting a child. Made me wonder how does Planned Parenthood celebrate Mother's Day? Some of that is in anger, but some of that is in reality. How can you advocate women having abortions and saying motherhood is the best thing in the world? Even God's grace covers that. Totally. Totally. Also sitting there, you know, <clears throat> last week I talked about authority and power, and this week I'm going to talk about what God can do with his power. 
how he keeps us. Wasn't sure what I was going to talk about next week. Well, I know what I'm going to talk about next week. We're going to talk about his instrument of power where I'm going to talk about his Holy Spirit next week. Because it is so strong in this place right now. Whether you discern it or not, he is here. And so I ask, Holy Spirit, that you give me the words that the Father wants me to say, the way he wants me to say it, that you may be pleased with what I have. My message today is, we are kept. Any of you ladies kept women? Yes, that is a loaded question. And any of you men, are you kept men? world looks a totally different way than we look at it in, in a spiritual sense. A kept man is financially supported by a wealthy and often older person, other than their spouse or close relative. I'll give you a Selah moment with some of that. <laughs> a kept woman is basically in the same position, but usually she's also a lover. That's the way the world sees being kept. Look at it with disdain, but everybody wants it. We all want to be kept by somebody. We want that feeling of security. And as I was putting this together, uh, I had a second cousin, a little bit older than my dad. I know after her husband passed away, and they had, I don't know how much wealth, but called her Aunt Edith. And Edith and Harold lived in Robert Frost's home in, in Vermont, looking over Shadow Lake. And would go in there, and there would be unbelievable antiques and solid furniture that, I mean, Hutch is very, very old. Well, Harold died. And so Edith found her a kept man, a companion that traveled with her, and much younger. So I guess it runs in the family, huh? <laughs> so I understand that. That feeling of wanting a companion, someone to be with you, someone to share your joys and your highs and your lows. And for you who are Doctor Who fans, and I don't know if there's any in here, that long-running season or series, it's been 40 years now, he's always had a companion because he's always been lonely traveling by himself. He's always had a companion. Well, enough about the way the world looks at uh, natural companions. See, we are a kept people. We are totally kept by him. We are kept in his hands, and we're going to go through a, some verses, and then we're going to talk about some situation in the Bible, then we're going to talk some application. Sounds like I know what I'm talking about, doesn't it? First verses I want to do, and 
Genesis 28, 15 starts there. And I'm going to use Young's literal translation on this. Because every word in here has meaning. And it seems like more of the men try to, or more man tries to change it. it. They try to make it fit in with the way we look at things today. Sometimes they've done a poor job. Genesis 28.15, in Young's literal translation. God says, And lo, I am with thee, and have kept thee wheresoever thou goest, and have caused thee to turn back unto this ground. For I leave thee not till I have surely done what I have spoken to thee. God is with He was talking to Jacob. Part of Jacob's dream. He was talking to Jacob and saying, I'm going to keep you. You're a kept man, Jacob. My arms are around you and I'm going to hold you. I am not going to leave you. Let's go to uh, 121st Psalm. And again, I don't have the King James Version here, but I want to read out the King James Version. So we'll take a second, I'll find it here in 121st Psalm. I lift up my eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper, and the Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. And the sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve my soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and forevermore. The Lord your keeper. The Lord is so so faithful and so in love with you and you get busy with day-to-day things and you forget. And that's when Terry mentioned, you know, what he had experienced and I'm going, yeah, take take a few minutes and, and realize what God has done for you, that he keeps you and he's holding you and he will never let you go. And that it is, it is a secure place that you are with him. And, it, you know, it really doesn't matter if anybody else understands it. Because as you see later, we're going to talk about where people just don't understand. People just don't understand how sweet it is to be in his presence. The last series of verses I want to share with you are in number 6, verse 22. And all of you have heard this. I know all of you have heard this. It starts with, The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turns his face towards you and gives you peace. We've all heard that. 
remember one church I used to attend that used to be thrown out at the end of every, and it gets so trite. Yeah, okay, that means we're done. Pastor's got to that point, he's done. But even back in, in the beginning of time, the Lord's always promised to keep us. Sometimes it takes us a long time to get it through our heads that he actually meant it, and he can actually do it. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and be gracious towards you. And turn his face towards you and give you peace. I think that's what Terry and I are talking about. We've Down deep, something's happened. We've, when we've discussed this. Never been at such peace. Does the outside world change? All the time, but... Man. The peace God gives is far beyond. I am a kept man. When you, when you go through... First Samuel, there's a long story about Saul, his son Jonathan, and David. And I'm not going to, because it's, it's chapters long, I'm not going to take time and read over it, but I want to I talk about some situations. Last week I talked about David coming out of being a shepherd and going to just take some provisions for his brothers as they were fighting and ends up killing Goliath. About power and authority. David was a man who understood authority. Goliath knew power, but David knew authority. And now that authority came great power. So let's, let's pick the story up there. David after he kills Goliath, is looked upon by Saul as, oh, basically you've got me out of a place where I didn't know what to do. And he comes and he starts living with Saul and his family and you know, eventually he married Saul's daughter. And he's looked upon just under Saul in the nation of Israel. And Saul loved him at that point, cared for him. And Saul had a son named Jonathan. And Jonathan, I don't think it's talked about enough. As you read through here, Jonathan was a man of great integrity. A great man. And so I want to talk about Jonathan a little bit first. Jonathan, being the king's son, had his own keeper, or you could even call him an armor bearer. I looked up what armor bearer meant, and it meant one who bears arms. Well, that really didn't help me a whole lot. <laughs> An armor bearer is like a promise keeper. I will come alongside you. Whatever you need, I will do. Whatever you have a concern for, I will help take care of. You need a tissue, I'll bring you a tissue. You, you need food, I'll get you food. You have an enemy, I'll stand against your enemy. And nothing will sway me. 
we read through 1 Samuel that Jonathan goes to battle with his armor bearer. Overwhelming odds. And they, and they go right down, they go right down into the Philistines. Him and his armor bearer. And the armor bearer never flinches once. His keeper, he never flinches once from what Jonathan has asked him to do. There's complete trust and integrity there. Jonathan also was an armor bearer for David. He was the one who kept promises to David. We'll go there a little bit later on, but I want David. Talk about David. Saul's armor bearer. Couldn't wear the armor because it was too big for him, but he was Saul's armor bearer. He dedicated his life to Saul. He loved Saul. And in the beginning, Saul loved him. But as the story goes, uh, David grew in reputation. As the lady sang, Saul has killed his thousands, and David has killed his ten thousands. Saul grew jealous of his armor bearer. And came to a point where he wanted to kill David to get rid of him. And David ran and, and hid. Broken hearted. Why would you want to kill me? And you, and you read through there, why would you come after me? I have always loved you. I have honored you because God had you chosen as the king. I will honor you. He even had an opportunity to kill Saul when Saul was in a cave taking care of some personal needs. And the men said, kill him. God has put him in your hands. He says, no. And I'm sure he was under great pressure to kill him. But he says, no, I will not kill him. He is God's. He's God's anointed, and I will not touch him. I have made a covenant with him. And I will keep my covenant whether he keeps his covenant or not. David, a man after God's own heart, doesn't that sound like God? I will keep my covenant with you even though you have not kept it with me. He loves you with great grace. Greasy grace that just slimes all over you, yes. I love greasy grace. Extravagant. Extravagant. So David doesn't kill Saul, and Saul come, walks out of the cave, and again he says, Saul, why, my king, why have you done this? Why are you after me? And he's brokenhearted, but he keeps his word. He keeps his covenant. But in this whole series of stories, 1 Samuel 18, go there first. I just, I just want to read a few verses. Because when we, we start talking about Jonathan and, and David, you know, the world reads these verses and says that Jonathan and David were homosexuals. I've heard that said. I don't know if you've heard that said. Because of these verses how distorted the world is. 1 Samuel 18, 1-5 After David had finished take, 
talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in the spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his father's house. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan caused Jonathan took off his robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt. Whatever Saul, whatever Saul sent him to do, David did it so successfully that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the people and Saul's officers as well. Two parts in there. First of all, Saul give, gave David a very high rank, and the people loved David. But Jonathan loved David just for who he was. The world kind of cringes at men saying they love each other. They become a little bit uncomfortable. But I can love Terry and say I love Terry and not be uncomfortable. It is not that way. Jonathan made a covenant with David, and you see what he did. He took off his tunic, his robe, and gave him the sword. That is a sign of, I'm making covenant with you. Even in it, it used to be uh, they would share blood about a year ago. Gosh, a year and a half ago, it talked about covenant. They would, they would cut themselves and... You know, like you see the old Indians go cut each other's hands and grab hands, and we are blood brothers. Well, David and Saul, or David and Jonathan were blood brothers. Jonathan was totally committed to his brother, David. Loved him dearly. And as the story goes along, you, you see that Saul really didn't like this. He really was angry at this. He got angry at David and then he started to getting angry at his son. Well, when you make a covenant and a commitment to someone, you are going to be challenged. You are going to be challenged. What you need to do, though, is to understand that your commitment is your commitment before God. And it does not change. In 1 Samuel 20, verse 30, it shows a little bit. This is... I just I want to share this because I want you to see how Jonathan was pressured by his father, how he was pushed by his father. His father, who he also loved. His father, when he died, Jonathan would be king. In verse 30, it says, Saul's anger flared up at Jonathan, and he said to him, You son of a perverse and rebellious woman. <laughs> I found that kind of funny because it sounds just like Adam. It's the woman that did it. Don't I know that you have sided with the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of the mother who bore you? And as long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Now send and bring him to me, for he must die. Well, Jonathan your mom's fault that you were born. I had nothing to do with this. 
And if you don't kill this son of Jesse, you're going to lose your kingdom. You're going to lose everything that you have. Culturally, that he was putting great pressure on Jonathan. And Jonathan, to his credit, went and warned David and took care of David and loved David. And as the story goes on, Saul eventually dies and Jonathan eventually dies. And a messenger comes to David and says, Saul is dead, thinking he would get great kudos for bringing that information to David. David saw no pleasure in that and had the messenger killed. But he took Jonathan's son and put him in his house and kept covenant. He transferred keeping of Jonathan to the keeping of Jonathan's son. So what's God's foundation for keeping or being a keeper? One of the great things, if you understand that God is keeping you, is you'll never be anxious or fearful. And if that can't be, floats through your head, understand who your keeper is. Understand who you, you don't have any anxious, anything to be anxious for. Read scripture. It tells you, you have nothing to be anxious for. You have nothing to be fearful about. He's going to keep you. He knew you from the beginning of time and he will love you to the end of time. And he has seated you with his son in heavenly realms and he is with you. And God uses his keeping that we would use that as a foundation of keeping each other. It's not just God to us. It's on a horizontal level. It's also us keeping people around us. Jesus and John 17, 7 to 23, and I'm not going to turn there and read it, but Jesus is on the cross. And he turns to John and says, John, behold thy mother, mother, behold thy son. Jesus and that culture and his love for his mother had responsibility to take care of her, to keep her. He takes that time to transfer that on the horizontal level, to John. And Mary went and lived in John's house. And he took care of her as his own mother. He made a covenant right then and there that was never broken. So you you want to make a covenant with people around you. There's just a couple things to say about that. First, don't pick a person to have covenant with for soulish reasons. Since we have a prophet Ed here, who would like to be his keeper? Everybody says, oh, I want to be the prophet. You've seen it. I know you've seen it. I want to be, you know, look at politics. I want to get my face in that picture with the president. I want to be seen handed a pen from the president. I want to run with the same crowd. That's that's the people I want to keep. Don't do that. Ask the Father, ask the Holy Spirit who you should keep. Maybe the least expected. And when you find somebody that you want to keep and make covenant with, 
And I'm talking about even your husband and wife in those situations. But someone, someone you would commit to, to be there day after day whenever they need something, to watch over them, to take care of their needs without being asked. But a little caveat here. You're not everybody's keeper. It is not your job to be the keeper of the world. One of the strong suits of, of keeping and covenant is communication. You need to ask some questions like, what is this, this is what I want to be for you. So if I was going to make Prophet Ed be his keeper, I would go to him and I said, this is what I want, this is what I want to be for you. We would come into agreement. But then I would say, this is what I need you to be for me. It goes both ways. If Prophet Ed says, Greg, I, <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want to do that. He's totally able to say that. Maybe, I just don't have time for that, Greg. I'm not in that position. I live in a strange state of California, a state of denial and a state of delusion. And, <laughs> and I, don't have to, I don't have time for it. We cannot go into covenant together. We cannot go into covenant. It has to be somebody that you can be with and, and, and talk to. This keeping relationship grows out of a covenant between God and man. And it's between the two people. It grows out of God's covenant with you that you want to be somebody's keeper and be with them. The fruit of this is great peace. If you're not tasting great peace in this covenant relationship, it's time that you check what you're talking about. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace, those who mine has stayed on you, because he trusts in you. See, I can have great peace because I know I trust Terry on an earthly, horizontal relationship. But, but, above, 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 above all that, I can trust God because I know I have put my trust in him and he is faithful. He has proved faithful over and over again. And when I come back to him from whatever, he is always faithful and loving and kind. One of the, one of the things that will help you trust God more is as you read scripture, you, you come through verses that stand out to you. And they're typically God's promises. I don't know if you have any promises that you, you dwell on, but as I was going through this, it, it came to mind, I've had one for a long time. It's in the Psalms. Though your mother and father reject you, I will never reject you. That's a sword buried in the sand for me. That, that's not going anywhere. That's, that is done. That is written. That, that'll be there to the end of time. 
That's a promise I needed. It may not relate to you. It may mean nothing to you. But I tell you, there are promises in the Bible that will relate to you. You also got to remember that sometimes these keeping, these covenants, these relationships change. My relationship with my wife isn't the same as when we first married. It isn't the same as it was 10 years ago. It wasn't the same as when we had children. It wasn't the same as when she was working. It constantly changes. That's where the communication comes. This is what I need from you, and what can I do for you? You need to constantly be renewing. Let's say again with Prophet Ed sitting here, if I had a keeping relationship with him, things may change. He may decide to go a different direction. We need to talk that over and change our covenant. I may not be his keeper anymore. A situation may come up where he may say, Greg, I have a friend that needs, I need to transfer this. You may have a daughter who goes away to school. and You transfer that, not that you transfer your love or don't care about your daughter, but somebody to be there, somebody that they can trust and watch over that will not break covenant. You can transfer. And that's what we, I talked about when, with uh, Jesus and, and on the cross with John. See, God, through his son, even through his son's prayers at the end of John 17, talked about covenant with us. And he says, I have, I have kept them the ones that you have given me except for the one who fell away. That scripture may be fulfilled. And you will keep them and I will keep them and they will be in you and I will be in you and you will be in me. And God just loves being in you. He's, he's hidden in you. So it comes down to who are you going to trust? You're going to keep the one who has been faithful and true since the beginning of time in your heart? That's a good choice. Don't let circumstances in your life make you break covenant with the Father. Don't let circumstances in your life make you break covenant with people. People will always disappoint People will always change. You always need to be ready to communicate and be with them. But above all things, the Father will never change. I never change. I am the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And I will keep you. So, God has power. And part of his power is to keep you where he wants you to be. And part of his power is to let you go where you want to go. And that is part of the power he has given you. 
but he always holds authority. He can always bring you back. He can always keep you. And he will always keep you. He will always bless you and watch over you. He will shine his face upon you and he will give you peace. God's power. God's power is used for the goodness of his people who love him and stay with him. Amen. See you then.